I'm Dave Champion. Well, we got through December 14th when the electors from all over the country met in D.C. and they actually voted in their official capacity as electors. And of course, what was the final? It was 306 for Biden and 232 for Trump. And there's been a lot of discussion about whether somehow <laughs> Trump can end up being president come January 20th. And so now that we've gotten through December 14th, which is a, uh, a seminal moment in the entire process, now a lot of um, Trump loyalists are claiming that uh, that doesn't matter because it's all going to get fixed on January 6th in Congress. Is that true? I'm going to try and do this fairly quickly because it's rather cut and dried. I guess the first thing I want to say is if you haven't read the 12th Amendment, which controls this entire process, and you're unfamiliar with Congress's rules pertaining to how that mechanism is to play out actually in the building called Congress, if you're unfamiliar with those two things, you have no idea what you're talking about. So let's go back again to December 14th. The electors show up in D.C. and they, they make their votes on behalf of um, the citizens of their state. So what happens after that? What happens leading up to January 6th. A certain state official will send the certificates of votes to DC. And it goes to the president of the Senate, who is Mike Pence. It goes to various other entities, the district court over that particular region and the archivist of the United States. It goes to about four or five or six different people. But the important thing is each of the 50 states and DC send their certificates of votes to Congress, where on January 6th, they will be counted in front of a joint session of Congress. So January 6th comes around and we have a joint session of Congress. A joint session means the Senate and the House are both sitting at the same time. So in this scenario under the 12th Amendment, Mike Pence, as the president of the Senate, he presides over the Senate and Nancy Pelosi, as the speaker, presides over the House because Democrats have the majority in the House. Then the process begins. And this is this process is led by Mike Pence. Now, there's some information out there claiming that Mike Pence that has absolute control. Yeah, no. Uh, he has a job to do. And he, he can't just say, I say I'm going to do a bunch of stuff different than what the Constitution says. He can't do that. I mean, there, there's a role for the president of the Senate. And the role is this. Mike Pence will take the envelopes, the, the transmittal envelopes from each of the states, they get opened in alphabetical order as per the name of the states. So the transmittal open envelope gets opened, Mike Pence extracts the content, and he reads the electoral vote from that state to the joint session of Congress. All of the senators, all of the members of the House, they all hear. He opens it up. And he verbalizes it, and everybody gets to hear it. That's Mike Pence's role. He doesn't have any super-duper powers. It's at this point that many of the Trump loyalists believe that there's some sort of magic is going to happen. And by that, they imagine that there's going to be an objection, a challenge issued, and then the slate of votes from that state are going to be tossed, and therefore... Um, Biden's 306 electoral votes will start to get ratcheted down, and the goal is to get beneath 270, and that would then 
kick in the constitutional requirement for the House to select the president. Okay, so yeah, that's never going to happen. But let me explain what the mechanics are nevertheless. So if you are a Trump loyalist, you can get off this particular train because the way the rules are set up, it absolutely positively 100% will never happen. Okay, so you need to understand this. So let us say that a member of the House objects, okay? Speaker, I object to the slate from Wisconsin, the slate of votes from Wisconsin. Okay, I wish to impart a challenge. Okay, so under the rules, there has to be two things that have to happen. It has to be in writing and signed, so they can, they can verbalize it, but it has to be submitted in advance, written and signed. That's the requirement number one. Requirement number two is in order for anything to happen concerning that challenge, the member of the House has to be joined in his or her challenge by a senator. And I'm going to get into in a few minutes why that's not going to happen, but let's say for the sake of argument that it does, that a, a senator joins with a Trump loyalist member of the House and together they challenge it. Okay, so what happens at that? At that point, you have a valid challenge, okay? Valid challenge does not mean you win. A valid challenge does not mean you get to throw the slate out, right? The slate of votes from the state that you've challenged. It doesn't mean that. It means you challenge. Okay, so here's what happens. Mike Pence then, he dissolves the joint session of Congress. And then each house goes their own separate way, so to speak. And they debate the pros and cons of the challenge for two hours. Okay, that's it. They get two hours for each house to debate it independently. Okay? Then at the end of two hours, Mike Pence calls the joint session of Congress back in and they vote. Okay? Now, here's the reason I tell you, uh, Trump loyalists, to, that you might want to get off this particular train because it's never going to happen. Here's what happens. Both houses, both houses must vote to reject the state's slate of electors, okay? So the Senate that's controlled by Republicans, in theory, perhaps they might vote for it. I doubt it, but they might. I'll explain why I doubt it in a moment. But the House is controlled by the Dems, and Biden's a Dem. <laughs> so the House is never, in a million years, going to vote to to toss the electoral votes from a state that went for Biden, because that's the only one that the Trump loyalists will object to, right? So the Dems are not going to vote to reject the slate of votes that are for Joe Biden. They're just never going to do that. I said a few moments ago that I was going to explain why I don't think any senator including Republican senators, are going to join a challenge offered by a, a Trump loyalist member of the House. The reason for that is on December 15th, Mitch McConnell, the Senate majority leader, stood on the Senate floor. He didn't just talk to some reporter walking down the hall. He stood on the Senate floor and he congratulated Joe Biden on becoming the president-elect. And he congratulated Harris on being the first female VP of the United States. Mitch McConnell 
is the guy who's in charge of keeping all of the Senate Republicans in line. And, and that, that may sound ugly, keeping them in line, but that's, that's what Pelosi does as speaker with the Dems, and that's what McConnell's job is with the Senate Republicans, is to keep them in line so that leadership can control the direction that the Senate Republicans, in this case, the Senate Republicans take. That, that's been the case for as long as there have been senators and members of the House. Whoever is in charge, their job is to keep the subordinates in line. And Mitch McConnell is that person. So it is a very strong signal when Mitch McConnell stands up on the floor of the Senate and congratulates Joe Biden on being president-elect after the Electoral College votes were tabulated on December 14th. The fact that he's doing that intends to telegraph that the Senate Republicans are not going to play Donald Trump's game concerning the election any further. That the Electoral College has spoken, and as far as the Senate Republicans are concerned, that is the end of the story. They have a lot of these senators, none that I'm aware of, have actually jumped on board this Trump election fraud train. What they've consistently said is, you know what? The president has every right to exhaust his legal options. Okay. And they have refrained from calling Joe Biden president-elect. On the 14th, the Electoral College met and tabulated their votes. And on the 15th, the next day, Mitch McConnell said he wanted to congratulate Joe Biden being the president-elect. Okay. So we, we've crossed the Rubicon as far as Senate Republicans are concerned. That is why I say I think the odds that any Republican senator is going to join a Trump loyalist a member of the House in objecting to a slate of votes from a particular state. I just don't see it happening. However, going back to what I said earlier, even if that were to happen, all that would happen is they would dissolve the joint session. The two houses, each of them would take two hours. They would come back into joint session and they would vote. They both have to vote to reject the slate in order for that to happen. And the Democratic, democratically, Democratic Party controlled House is never going to do that. Okay, so this is the way it's all going to go down, right? Um, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that Donald Trump is going to remain the president after January 20th. But I understand that if you, that if certain people don't understand the mechanism that takes place on the 6th, it's, it's very appealing to spew loyalist rhetoric. It, carry on. I, you want to do that? It's awesome, man. Um, not really. Uh, <laughs> But I think everybody deserves to know what the mechanism really is, how it's really going to go down. So hopefully this has been helpful.